Welcome to the Culture Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Ombi. Uh, we're here with another episode uh, with one of our wonderful board members. This time we're sitting down with Mr. Sam uh, Ajay. Uh, Sam uh, is one of our board members here at Culture Encounters, and I'm looking forward to getting to know him, getting to hear his story, getting to see what brought him here to the world of Culture Encounters and to this family. So let me go ahead and bring him in now. Uh, welcome, Sam. How are you? Hey, Chad. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing absolutely incredible. Um, uh, yeah, how was your day? It's been a long day. Um, uh, uh, that would be the short version of the day. but <laughs> Right. <laughs> but it's been incredibly um, great to be back from a short leave that I took and to be back in the office working before the Christmas holiday. So it's right. short week for me, but it's very been um, a long day in a short week. No, I understand that. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm happy that, you know, you, you know, you're able to, um, you know, be with the holidays and everything, hopefully getting some things done and hopefully you'll get some relaxation soon with that, with the holidays coming up. Um, so let's get to know you a little bit. Um, talk a little bit about what brought you here to Culture Encounters with us and um, talk a little bit about what that word culture, what what it means to you. Oh, thank you very much, Chad. Um, so I, um, I, I'm still active duty military, mm-hmm. Navy, and I travel a lot with work. So when I came to Virginia, I was introduced to the cultural encounter um, organization, the program. But I've known Ama, the founder, for a long time, going back um, to high school, to college days. Oh, wow. And, okay. and, and so I, I knew the sort of person that Ama is. And, and when one of the board members was pitching me the idea of a board membership, I was like, I don't know exactly what you guys do, but then I know the person that Amma is and I know where her heart is. And right. I like the idea of a culture encounter because like you could hear from my accent, I wasn't born in the United States. Right. I was born overseas and I've traveled and lived in multiple countries before coming here in the States. And regardless of any job I've done, wherever I've been, you're almost all the time representing something. And culture, to me, um, I think we learned it very early in our um, basic school, that culture is the way a group of people live. And so if you just take that simple definition of what the term culture is, then, you know, every time you meet someone, you're meeting a person that lives in a specific way. And so every time you meet a person, we're encountering a culture. And so when an organization like Culture Encounter decide to be that facilitator of people experiencing the brightness of another culture, unlike DS, to be able to develop kids or children or adults into culturally aware people so that they can live in an environment where they learn to appreciate anything that they see, I felt that was good. Um, And it's something that I would love to be a part of. That's amazing. And I love that we, 
dissected the word culture encounter or the words plural culture encounters there. Well, I love what you said about um, whenever you encounter a person, you're encountering a culture because culture really is, um, you know, the manifestation of humanity, right? So uh, it, it's true. And I think that that speaks to the importance of the work we do to hopefully help people not with these encounters, make connections, these cultural connections through these encounters, because whether whether someone is actively seeking out these encounters or not, they're going to have them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's important to to make connections and to, um, you know, have cultural awareness and cultural intelligence. So I love that we dissected those words a little bit and kind of what they mean. Um, so you had mentioned, you know, you've, you know, you being an active um uh, member of the military, um, you know, you've seen a lot of the world, like you were saying, how do you think that shaped you, who you are as a person, you know, getting to experience so much of humanity, getting to experience so many different cultures and everything, um, in different countries and, you know, see the world really, how do you think that has shaped who you are as a person? Um, I, I learned a long time ago that when you read you acquire the mind of the person writing the book. And so if you read often, you acquire like this mind of multiple centuries. And instead of just you as a person having your own mind, you you now acquiring the minds of centuries of people, either the one writing it or the people that he wrote about. And I think right. I view I view culture encounter in the exact same way. Um I feel because of my approach, because of places that I've lived and the people I've encountered. And then I have to explain this a little bit before I say what I'm about to say. Sure. Because culture is not a static thing that belongs to a person, but then it is continuously being created, being learned, being shared by a people, and then being um, uh, uh, like being taught to the next group of people and also evolving every time you had an opportunity to encounter a specific culture of a person, you are encountering something that this person has been taught or his learned. It could just be some features of culture, like a language or the way they behave, their attitude or, um, uh, uh, like how they, they they build things. These are the, in my views, the, the different elements or features that a culture, a specific culture is made of. And right. I always tell people, because I've had the privilege of living in and interacting with so many different people from different cultural backgrounds, I have acquired this mind of, multiple centuries because those people were trained in a different way from me. Um, for example, uh, I was born in Ghana before I went to school in England and Canada before coming to the United States. And even Ama, who was also born in Ghana, when I meet Ama and we start talking, I could just learn something simple from the cultures the different cultural background that we came from. Example, here in America, we know inheritance, like passed from a father who passes things on to his children, and then that simple thing goes like that. 
But then there are other cultures in the world, like the Akan culture from which I grew up in, where inheritance doesn't move from the father to the son, but then it moves from like the father to his sister's children. So on the matrilineal side, so... Oh, interesting. And, and, and so when you meet a person like this, who has this broad kind of cultural background from either a patrilineal, where inheritance moved from the father to the son, or a matrilineal, where inheritance is on the mother's side, so your the father's sister's children, like her nephew, his nephew is the person that inherits him. And you meet this individual when you're talking and he speak mostly about his extended family than just the nuclear family. You may not understand why this person spends so much time thinking about such a bigger um, subset of humanity, like from nuclear to extended family. But then if you've met a person like that before and you've heard that there's a difference between how people inherit on the patrilineal side and how people inherit on the matrilineal side, that gives you this culture awareness to be like, oh, okay, oh, oh Chad appreciates that everything that he's making goes mm-hmm. to his son, but then this person also appreciates that whatever he's making, he has to make sure he does things for his children because not everything that he has will go directly to his children. That, yeah, um, that's very that's a very good way to I think look at it in the fact that you have the appreciation for both because you've experienced both of these different things. Now, I'm sorry, I um, I I want to make sure I understood correctly. What culture did you say that that come? What what matriarchal culture does that inheritance come from again? So there are two big um, inheritance, whether a person is inherited on the father's line. Right, right. Um, and then or whether it's inherited on the mother's line. And and the father's line, I can tell you, when Queen um, uh, uh, the Queen Mother of England died, the next person that became the monarch in England was the Queen's eldest son. Right. Okay. So, like that line of succession. So that line of succession. Right. On so, and then when King Charles, whenever his time is up and he passes, the the inheritance will go to his son, his first son. Right. But then, when you come to my the people that I was born in, my group of people, the Ashantis. Ashanti. Okay. Thank you. When the king of Ashanti, uh, who 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 is currently on, um, if his time comes and he passes, the next king is not going to be the, the the king's son. Okay, I see now. So it's going to be, it's matriarchal in that it will pass to the next daughter or no, his it, sister's. It will pass to his nephew, his sister's son. Okay. And so okay. when you when you speak with someone who comes from this culture and he's, he cares more about all his sister's children as much as he care about his own children. Right. You may not understand. Right, but right. The, 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 the root of the matter is he has to protect, he has to develop all these people equally because he knows the inheritance moved to on the mother's side. So his sister's children oh, okay. will inherit him 
His sons are the sons of the king, but they will not be kings. Interesting. I wonder, do you think that, does that now, talking about the Asantiwa film from the Ashanti culture or the Asantiwa, you know, that, um, you know, that, that, um, that, does that, um, does that line of succession trace itself back to Asantiwa or is that uh, completely coincidental? So you're talking about Ya Asantiwa? Uh, yes, yes. So the, the I th- I'm I'm glad you mentioned that that, that, that Chad that that makes you so much cultural well of the oh, people. Well, I, I watched a movie about her. Oh, okay, great. So yes, yes. Tua was a queen mother. Yes, she was never a king. Okay, and so even though at a point in time she led the Ashantis in the war with, between the British and the Ashanti kingdom. Mm-hmm. She was never the king of the Ashantis. Interesting. She okay. was still the queen mother. The Ashanti king at the time had been exiled. And when that king was returned, he became the king. So he's a queen mother. And that's a beautiful question that you asked because in America, when we speak about diversity and then when we talk about equality, we tend to think of it as a modern concept that most cultures, which are traditional, do not have a role for women. Right. But just from that comment you made, the Ashantis and most cultures in Africa have had an important role for women that goes back centuries. Right. Because even though a woman is never the king, the role of a queen mother is the maker of king. Right. And so women have been respected for a long time in some of these cultures. That goes all the way back. And I remember any Ghanaian you talk to, and you can ask Ama, um, one of the quotes that all of them, all of us learned in high school is a statement by one of the Ghanaian intellectual in the, 18th century, who was born in the 18th or 19th century, mm-hmm. between 1870 to 1920, something when he lived. And he said, if you educate a man, you educate an individual. But if you educate a woman, you educate a nation. Ooh, I like that. And 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 so there's there's been a lot of movement through the 19th century in Ghana that like promoted equal education and then equal treatment of women. Right. It's just that the tradition, the culture that these, um, like uh, most of these Africans come from, is masculine, which means that they have a set role for males and women. But then the respect of the woman mm-hmm. has always been there. That's interesting. So it's both, it, it almost sounds like it's very, it's, it's very much based in equality and reverence, even though like there's yeah, specific gender roles. Right. Right. That's very, does that create an interesting, and I'm asking cause I don't know, does that create an interesting almost duality sometimes that you have to navigate? Oh, it does. It does. Right. And I tell people all the time, even though Ghana has not discriminated against its women, 
for centuries because culturally women play a specific role. Mm-hmm. Ghana has never had a female president in the modern era, even though some other African countries have had women president, simply because of that mindset that the mm-hmm. woman is the queen mother. The woman goes up to a point, but then the king is a different person, right? And, right. and so when, when a person like me comes to an American society and I realize even though American has treated women um, equally for a long time and has given women the ability to participate freely in the political system, we've never had a woman president. Right. I understand because I can, I can see that, hey, this country, even though it's a modern society, in a way, it's still a traditional society. Right, exactly. It's still it still shows that, you know, like at least speaking for America, we we've made, you know, strides and leaps and bounds when it comes to equality over the last 50, 60 years, primarily to due to technology and conversations like this are able to happen, but we still have quite a few ways to go. You know, it's it's still gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a constant, you know, battle for for everyone for for truly equality to ever be reached. Now mm-hmm. Do you think that there will ever be? You think there will ever be a woman president in Ghana? Do you think that's something that'll happen in our lifetime? It, it, it's, up, it's something that I believe will happen in our lifetime. Is something, and the same thing in America is something that I right. believe will happen at some point. It's just I don't jump into that conclusion easily. I understand sure. the cultural um, right. underlining sub, like uh, subconscious decisions right. that people will make simply because I have experienced these cultures. Right. And I'm glad that you explained the context there because, you know, for someone who doesn't know, um, they might just read into it as, oh, Ghana's never had a woman president, okay, and not dig deeper into, okay, well, why is that? And, okay, this is why, okay, so now that we know why, we can start having those conversations about how to navigate that duality to create true equality while also you know, finding a way to balance that tradition as well. And, and, you know, that, that can actually be a conversation as opposed to just, you know, that's where the cultural intelligence comes in, you know, knowing the, right. Knowing the background so that you can have the conversation. Um, Cause I believe if you just go into a conversation with, well, this is how things are going to be without, um, you know, I, I think that's hard, right. Where it's like, if if someone were to come to America and say there will never be a woman president, well, yeah. well, no, there won't be if you know you don't assume that it's possible and don't have those conversations um, without understanding you know the background and what what has been taken to get where we are um, now. So, um, I would imagine you know thank you for educating me on that because I had no idea how far back that the the political landscape of of the gender roles there went. So that's incredible to know and i do i do hope that true equality at least in the form of representation is reached in a way that everyone is happy and comfortable with that would i think be ideal well thank you and i I appreciate that line of conversation Um, yeah for sure the other thing i would want to add which i've always had the privilege of saying is um, when it comes to culture i find something about the american culture and and it's hard to put a finger on but then if if you understand culture as the way a group of people live and every 
and 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 and, and there's so many different elements that form culture. One of it is the attitude, right? And and I say the American attitude is a piece of the American culture that makes America separate from any place world I've ever been. That the phrase that we use as an American exceptionalism yeah, is it's, truly true. You don't find another country that have a right. version of an American dream. Right. That, that you, you won't find a country that says it's a British dream or it's a Germany dream. You don't have a country right. that say they are the greatest country on earth. And and that attitude, when I first I first encountered American culture and I was learning to be part of the, an American as I am now as, as an American citizen, right. I realized for an American, regardless of who that person is, when you meet that person, he believes everything he has is the best. And it doesn't have to be it it, it, right. it doesn't right. have to be based on anything. It's just based on a cultural attitude and a perception about an American. And that is the American exceptionalism. He may, he may be on a rough road, driving on a, p- a pothole lace road downtown somewhere. Right. I personally believe that is the best road condition in the entire world. And that attitude, that American exceptionalism is different wherever you go. And that is, and I can speak to that, you know, that's been ingrained in, in most Americans from the time we're born. You know, we're taught, America is the greatest place in the world and here's all the reasons why. So yeah, it is very much ingrained in us, whether it's true or not, that's a whole nother conversation, but um, it is ingrained in us that, that exceptionalism. And I think that that goes, you know, that has its roots in imperialism and, and in really an imperialism too, of we need to make America great and, and America is so great. We need to go show the rest of the world how great we are by, you know, having more right so you know it's rooted in that attitude goes back you know since the founding of this country but it also you know has its roots in imperialism with like teddy roosevelt and william howard taft and all of these politicians who really made it a point to say we have to spread how great democracy is and then it really became a um a big thing in the cold war the cold war um you know it became a point of you know such political pride to have that. And it was ingrained in us, you know, from commercials to television shows to uh, everything, you know, this idea of an American identity, um, you know, and I'm not knocking that or acknowledge or praising that. I'm just saying, you know, it is, it's true. Like what you said of American exceptionalism is something that is taught and nurtured and fostered and reinforced in our society every day. Um, so, um, I think that that's another duality we have to navigate when we're actively learning about other people and other cultures and, um, understanding a, our country is a melting pot and we've, um, you know, we, we need to acknowledge that and realize that American culture doesn't exist without acknowledgement of all these other cultures, but also B, there are other regional country, regional countries, continents, cities, states, places that have so much to offer us. Um, you know, and so much to offer the world and we need to, um, you know, we need to be open to that. So hopefully um, we can talk about things in America that we like, but we can also say, man, um, that food we got from that other country was exceptional, or I really liked the music in that other place, or I really liked looking at the art in that other place, because man, that was great. 
uh, and man, the people were so friendly and kind and welcoming in this other place. And I, I think, you know, hopefully as we have these conversations, we can get to those places where, um, you know, we can, we can do that. And I think the world is a, a smaller place now, right. You know, because of the internet, because of technology, um, I had a conversation with someone in Rhode Island uh, a couple of hours ago, um, you know, just with a drop of a hat. And we're yeah. pretty, I think we're all fortunate now that we have that. Um, but um, I want to just thank you for your time today, your honesty. This has been an awesome conversation, Sam. Chad, thank you so much. And it's, it's, it's been an awesome um, time spending with you. I wasn't, I didn't know where the conversation was going to lead, but I'm Same. glad it brought it brought back some of the things that I've picked up along the way. And Absolutely. it's been great talking to you. Absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, thank you very much. And I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we both did. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.